0: Hi, you're listening to Permission to Be Honest,
1: a safe environment to have difficult conversations in a lighthearted way. I'm Kara.
0: And I'm Ricky. And we're your hosts.
1: This is a space that allows for curiosity and questioning when it comes to controversial topics. This is your Permission to Be Honest. Okay, systemic racism. Also known as institutional racism. Right. Also known as structural racism. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about it.
2: Let's talk about it.
1: It's complicated, much like critical race theory. <laughs> right. Um, that we talked about. You can't actually talk about one without the other. So we've already talked about critical race theory, which is basically a legal dive into the effects of the systemic. systemic racism. Yeah. Um, I think the best way to talk about systemic racism is to go back <laughs> in mm-hmm. history and use like a concrete example because it is a difficult concept to get a hold of. And it's one that's kind of controversial because there are a lot of white Americans that don't believe it exists.
0: Right. Because I think also because it's so ingrained in laws and practices. Our systems. Yeah. 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 So you, you don't see it. You don't, you
1: don't see it. And hence the name systemic racism. Like it's literally so ingrained in our systems that we've never known the systems without it. Right. So, it's difficult to identify it. Also, white people are the oftentimes unintentional right beneficiaries of it.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what I'm going to say. Like, they don't, white people don't, like, if you don't know the history, then you just think that, okay, this is the way it is. This, mm-hmm. is, these is, this is the law. And mm-hmm. I'm just following the law. I'm just mm-hmm. benefiting from something that's said in the law, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you don't. If you don't know the history of it, then you don't understand how they're,
1: how it's all intertwined, right?
0: And how they're getting an advantage, even yeah. though they're not doing anything. Yeah. 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 If you're yeah. white,
1: yeah, you don't, because this is the way it's always been. So you right. don't recognize it as an advantage, right? Because you're only coming from one side. Right. Um, all right, let's just get started. Cause I was going to say something else and I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Come to me. All right. All right. So let's talk about redlining. Redlining. Okay. Because redlining provides a very concrete example of how the history... Oh, that's what I was going to say. That's why critical race theory is so important. Because if you erase the history, you will never acknowledge and understand How racism literally is intertwined in every fiber of American structures, institution. I mean.
0: Legally, everything. Yeah,
1: Yeah. everything. Um, Okay, so redlining. Redlining. Let's go back. Great Depression. All right. Right? Great Depression. Um, America, obviously, horrible time. Everyone's out of work. Mm -hmm. FDR comes to um presidency comes to power I was going to say but we reelected him
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not
0: like he's a dictator he, he's
1: not something. a dictator we yeah. elected him so we elect um FDR he becomes our president he has this um thing called the new deal the new deal right yeah. we all learned about it in school <laughs> we we all learned about the new deal right we did not have her learn about redlining i no. learned about it in college because i was a black studies minor yeah but yeah, we never learned about redlining. It was a big part of the New Deal, though.
0: Right. I uh, think I've only heard like about redlining and I knew it was practice, but I didn't understand like how deep it goes. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. So.
1: Yeah. So New Deal, mm-hmm. right? And for for the most part, the New Deal is talked about as a really good pretty thing, sweet right? Yeah. 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 Um, one thing that the New Deal did was it created the National Housing Act um, and the Federal Housing Administration. Right. And the cool thing about this was that it introduced ideas like the 30 year mortgage, mm-hmm. low fixed interest rates. It really was the first time where lower income Americans could purchase a house. Purchase a person's house. Right? Yeah. Um, and it It inadvertently created a middle class for the first time in America and suburbs right? are two things that came from this new deal. Um, As part of the National Housing Act, the Homeowners Loan Corporation was created to ensure that so now you have all these new homeowners and they want to make (laughs) sure they're not going to default on their loans, right? So they created the HOLC to ensure that they wouldn't default on the loans. Um, Now, the H-O-L-C created residential security maps. Mm -hmm. So, and this was like every major city
2: in America. in America.
1: Legitimately, every major city in America had Had a residential security map. Right. um, Where they took the different neighborhoods and areas of the city and they color-coded them. Okay? Mm -hmm. And the color-coding was done... (laughs) based strictly on who was living in what areas. So it's like they, it's not like they color coded and then people moved to the different areas. They looked at the map, they looked to see where people were living and then they came up with the colors and coded based on that. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and then they would use these maps Banks would use these maps to determine who got loans who got to buy houses and what the terms of those loans were, based on the color mm-hmm. of the area. Actually, banks were forbidden to give loans to the red area. But I'm getting ahead of myself. You're getting ahead so of yourself. let's talk about the colors first. So green was the most desirable. Mm. Um, businessmen and high-income families lived in the green, the area, green areas, okay. right? Then we had blue, which was white-collar families. Then we had yellow, which was working-class families, white, working-class mm. families. <laughs> then we had red. And the red areas were um, considered areas with detrimental influences. Guess what those detrimental influences were? <laughs> <laughs> They were foreigners and right. black people.
2: Black people, yeah.
1: So the areas, the red areas, were the, pe- were the areas where black people lived and foreigners lived, regardless of income. Right. Because there were some areas where the black people living there were upper class. We're
0: upper class, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they had good jobs. And... They
1: had good jobs. They were mu- uh, musicians. <laughs> they were magicians? <laughs> they were magicians. They were musicians. Uh-huh. They were writers, they were actors, like they had good jobs, they had they had money. Right. But those areas, because they were majority black, were still considered red areas. Okay, so we have all of our areas. Mm-hmm. We have the red areas. Hence the name redlining. Um red equal to hazardous area. Mm-hmm. A hazardous area equal to risky area. A risky area provided justification for the banks not to not provide to loans, provide loan. right? Right. Um, so it became impossible to get funding to purchase a house or to refinance a house mm-hmm. if you lived in a red area. Actually, banks were forbidden to give loans right. if you lived in a red area. Prior to the redlining. It's very important to note that these were not dangerous areas. These right. were not were risky not, yeah. areas. They were not hazardous areas in any way. Right. They, the only criteria for marking it as a red area was brown and black residents. That's it. That's it, yeah. Um, also, the, the red areas prior to redlining there was no indication that they, these areas would be less likely to pay back loans than any other area.
0: Yeah. They just made an assumption based on, like you said, the, based on the people that lived there. Right. Because they were non-white
1: Because they were non-white people. And
0: black people, yeah.
1: And so they just made this assumption like, oh, well, these are risky, hazardous areas, and we're not going to give loans to them. Mm. So there was no true justification. There's nothing that was like, oh, well, they're not going to pay back their loans, so they're risky. Mm. Right, and um, that's what kind of blew me away is that prior to marking these areas as red, they weren't dangerous.
0: Yeah, because I think I've always had like like if I think about Detroit, like I've I would think that not all of Detroit was bad, but there it was like probably an area yeah. of Detroit that was bad just because, not just because black people were there, just because it was. An inner city, and I assume that each part of an inner city you has a rough. You always assume, like yeah, yeah like, has a rough side.
1: Yeah. You. Yes. Exactly.
0: Right. But prior to the redlining, it,
1: it wasn't, wasn't necessarily
0: like that. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's like a. For me, it was always like a chicken and an egg thing. Like, well, which, what came first? Right. I, now I actually have an answer. Yeah.
0: The redlining <laughs> came first. Redlining yeah. came
1: first. They weren't dangerous areas before. So how did they become dangerous then? Well. If you cannot purchase homes or refinance in these areas, landlords abandon their properties, mm-hmm. right? So now you have vacant properties. Um, city services became unreliable. Property val- values plummeted. Mm-hmm. So you have abandoned properties and unreliable city services. The next that's thing that's going to happen, yeah. naturally, the property values are going to plummet. Right. Um, all of this leads to increased crime. You and I both know that abandoned property is never good for crying.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
0: Right.
1: Um, Driving through Detroit, like Detroit tears down a lot, right? Of abandoned properties. They do now. Now.
0: When I was growing up, they didn't. Like we had so many, like we had on the corner of our street, you know where KFC is? Like we had this huge abandoned apartment building, like, and it was there forever. And then finally they tore it down and. It became like, um, like part of the parking for uh, the post office. That mm-hmm. I think the post office is closed now, but it was a post office right there. But like for years, like it was in my childhood, it was completely abandoned. And, and like you, I remember, like you know, you would see like you know winos and
1: yeah, drug addicts. Uh, yeah, and- they
0: would all be there. And like our ball would go over there, and like nobody would want to go get it. But or you, even just like walking past it, you would be like, because it was unkept. Like there was. Um, Bushes and everything that was pretty tall Mm -hmm. and you know, all the you know, kids were throw rocks at the glass and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So it was it was just an eyesore for the
1: And it fosters crime. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um so you have increased crime now Mm -hmm. in these areas where you didn't have it before due to plummeting property values and abandoned property. Also, more, more importantly, if you can't own property, you can't generate wealth. Right in America. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way it is. Like wealth comes from Right. owning property. So you already have a situation where black and brown people can't accumulate wealth. Mm-hmm. And then you, you think to yourself like, I thought to myself. Okay, can they just move? Can they just move out of these red areas, right? Because, like, was there if there was any chance that some white people lived in these areas, they fled immediately as soon as redlining went into place. Right, they fled to the suburbs as fast as they could because,
0: like you said, like the city started to go down, Mm -hmm. your property value goes down, and Mm -hmm. you know why stay in that. Yeah. why stay in an area that's going down?
1: Exactly. And
0: then you, you go to a new area, you get a new house, you get a new thriving community. And I don't know, it, it makes sense for anybody to, to move out of that situation.
1: To move out of that situation. Yeah. So why didn't the black people just move?
0: Because of red light.
1: Because they weren't allowed. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, could, they yeah. couldn't get a... They couldn't... Well, not even that. Like, as soon as suburbs started popping up, All of these suburbs had covenants or Mm -hmm. laws that prohibited the sale to black or brown people. Right. So you can't buy property. So not only can you not buy property in the area you're being forced to stay in, you also cannot buy property in any other area. area. Right. Right. So you just can't own property, period. Right. If you're black or brown. So you can never accumulate wealth. Mm -hmm. Big problem.
2: Yeah. I didn't
0: realize how much owning a home added to your wealth.
1: Oh, yeah. I
0: mean, I knew it, but I didn't really think about it. But then when I think about the redlining and yeah. how um, black people were prevented uh, the ability to, to own homes and how yeah. that affected them. Like, yeah. I didn't. Because your, your home is, is worth yeah.
1: so much more than, you know, like, we don't have
2: 300. But yeah, so like your
1: that's how that's what the yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. wealth is. Like your home is worth so much more than what you just have cash right. on you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um Yeah, so that's how you develop wealth. Also, like as part of the Federal Housing Administration, in the manual, there was actually a bylaw that prohibited prohibited Occupancy of properties except by the race for which they were intended. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's crazy.
2: So let's just talk about
1: other than just wealth, what other effects does redlining have?
2: Yeah. Because I think we saw what it, it affects,
0: uh, like you have. Uh, what I want to say, higher insurance rates. And...
1: Yeah, that was the other thing, like in red line areas. <laughs> yeah. um, even now, traditionally red line areas, you have higher insurance rates. You, if you can, because you can purchase houses in these areas now, yeah. um, but you have higher interest rates. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And if, <laughs> if you don't have the wealth, like that, you know, it just makes it, I don't know kind of defeating it as a person like I don't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. Like if you if you can't own a home, like owning a home comes like a sense of pride comes right. with it. It's
0: yours. Right? Yeah.
1: Um and rootedness. Like you you're going to be rooted. So mm-hmm. let's talk about communities where you can't own homes.
0: Right. So do you, you have no like attachment? Like You have no
1: attachment. You have no yeah. sense of community. You yeah. have no like Hey, this is mine. I'm going to take care of the yard. I'm going to take care of. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, okay, if if I'm renting and the landlord or whatever is responsible for the maintenance and stuff, it's like, okay, like I'm not going to,
1: I'm not not going to do anything to improve this for somebody else to have. wealth.
0: exactly. Right. Yeah.
1: It's just like a simple mentality. And so like, even if you just look at a sense of community, if you can't own homes, that affects your sense of community. You're not putting down roots there. You don't have a a tie to the area. Right. And that affects how you take care of the area. Yeah. Like it just does. Um, Ownership also leads to a stronger tax base, Mm -hmm. which is everything because how do we fund public schools in America? Primarily through (laughs) property taxes. And so if property values plummet, Then property taxes are crap, Mm -hmm. and then you have no money for the public schools schools, in the area. This is a huge problem. And it's like this vicious cycle because property values are low, taxes are crap, public schools are crap. Without good public schools, property values continue to fall.
0: (laughs) Right. People don't want to live in the neighborhood. People don't
1: want to live in the neighborhood. So it's like strong schools. Increase property values, which increase taxes, which, which betters the schools. So it's like this vicious cycle that once you're, once you're in a good, like once you live where there's good schools, it's a cycle that keeps going up. mm -hmm. When you live in an area where the schools are crap, it's a cycle that's going to keep going down. Um, and guess what? You can't, you can't just choose another school.
0: Yeah. You cannot just, (laughs) you can't just say, I'm going to go to. I'm not going to go to the school that's in my neighborhood.
1: Right. So. Health is also affected. So yeah. now we talked. So wealth, you can't accumulate wealth. Mm-hmm. Education mm-hmm. is affected. And health is affected. Because where do you think they build, um, like, industrial things? Right.
0: Yeah. In the, in the, the lower... The lower... Income communities. In lower income communities.
1: Exactly. Because guess what? The people in the suburbs want to keep their property values where they're at. so they're not going
0: to let you build. So they're not
1: going to let you. They're going to organize. They're going to be like, no, you can't build here because that's going to lower our property values. Right. Why do they have a right to say that? Because they own the property. (laughs) Yeah. But if you have, especially during this time in the red line areas, you can't own property. So you don't get, you don't have a say say on what's being built around you.
0: Right. So, a lot of times you have like factories, or in mm-hmm. Detroit, you have all these um, uh, auto car auto plants. Auto
1: car plants, yeah. yeah.
0: And so it, you know, it affects the air quality. Exactly. It affects the water. Exactly. You know, and only people that are being affected is the people that live in these areas. That live in these areas. Yeah. So,
1: to- toxic fumes. Um, it's why, as a whole, Black people have a much higher rate of asthma. Mm-hmm. It goes back to where do they live? Where they live, yeah. Air quality. What are they being exposed to? Right. Water quality. We saw the whole Flint yeah. thing. Right. Water quality. Um, even more so, compromised infrastructure. Like, the buildings <laughs> are not quality. Right. Right? They're not being upkept. Yeah. Kept up upkept they're not being kept up (laughs) (laughs) like they should be right um so oh toxic paint lead paint yeah full of lead paint yeah
0: because of the suburbs they're more they're newer buildings Mm and but then the. and
1: if you own it if you own your house then you're gonna make sure like oh crap there's asbestos here let me take care of that let me take the you know what i mean like it goes back to this sense of ownership yeah. and the pride that comes with it.
0: But if I'm just a landlord, I'm just like okay. You don't care,
1: you're not living there. Yeah,
0: I'm not living there. It's it's livable. You're okay. Like yeah. you, you can deal with it. And, and you people, don't have another you don't have another option. They don't option. have
1: another option. Yeah. They have no where else to go. Here
0: or go live on the street or something. Yeah. I think uh another thing with health I think we saw is that um like the the access to like healthy food or fresh food.
1: Yes, that's huge. Yeah.
0: Like I know, like, if you look, in the I'll say Detroit, like, there's a a liquor store, a party store, as we call it, on every corner. Like, they're,
1: literally everywhere.
0: You 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 see tons of, but there's no, uh, we don't there's have no whole foods. Yeah, there's no whole there's foods. No, yeah. no,
1: like even even the corner store.
0: Yeah, I mean we have the the, the local grocery stores, but I mean there's there
1: organic food.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't think so. I mean I think it's just you know
1: you'd have to go a ways to find like yeah you had to healthy the city. homegrown yeah although i will say like i know that ur- urban farming
0: is something that's is
1: something that's making a big come up in detroit
0: right and so i think there there are places where you can have like a farmer's market and mm-hmm. stuff like that where it's getting better stuff. yeah but
1: the point is it's now 2022 right it's getting better like in the last five years yeah, or so yeah. You have all of this time before yeah. where, I mean, there's tons of fast food places.
0: Tons of fast food places. In the city. Yeah.
1: There's tons of liquor stores.
0: Yeah. There are there are very few grocery stores.
1: Very few grocery stores, Right. actually. Um,
0: or even like, I remember like going to the suburbs and like, you can get a smoothie. You can get a smoothie. And
1: yeah, so true. Huh? You can get like
0: icy or something, which is like tons sugar. of sugar. Yeah. But, like, I remember you can get a smoothie or you can get... Or
1: even, like, the, the type of fast food is not, it's not like... Yeah, there was no Chip-
0: Boston Market or... No, or, or Chipotle <laughs> yeah. or, like,
1: it's, it's very much...
0: It's KFC, it's McDonald's, mm-hmm. it's... Uh, we have rallies, it's, it's all the things that are not good for you. Little Caesars. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, it's very unhealthy. And then you look at the black community and it's plagued with obesity mm-hmm. and diabetes and you can see how it's all intertwined Right. and it all goes back to this one practice of redlining. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think like you said, like with critical race theory, like if you don't know the history, then like these, these practices have been able to be been used or kept because the people who are, that works for the, the companies, they ju- they're just, Doing the job, they're just doing the work. Yeah, like yeah. they just—they're just okay. It's been like this for, for and ages, and they're inadvertently
1: really benefiting from it. Yeah, so you don't want to,
0: right? Like, if honestly, if I live in the suburbs, I'm like, okay, like I don't, you know, I might feel some type of way about somebody who's coming from one of these communities who've never owned a home. Like, are they gonna,
1: or you don't want we we deal like let's just let's just put ourselves on blast. Uh, we deal with this often with our community in um lee summit Mm -hmm. where we own our home they want to put more affordable housing next to us yeah we know that's going to lower our property values right we are right there with our neighbors like no we don't want affordable housing here because we don't want to lower our property values right
0: yeah so what is the answer like i don't i don't know like eventually i mean you have to you have to allow people to be able to branch out and move into these
1: Absolutely. Or you but what or or
0: I guess I think it's with the loans. That's you
1: make their where they live
0: Nicer. Nicer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what
1: happens when you do that? You've seen that. We've seen that in Kansas City. Right. You've seen that in Detroit. What happens when you redo downtown? All the white people come
0: moving.
1: And now the black people have to go somewhere else.
0: Right. Yeah. Like and you know, all these uh houses in in these areas that were before very low income and and uh not desirable now all of a sudden
1: Now they're putting lofts there. They're making yeah. them really nice, not affordable.
0: Not affordable. Really nice, yeah. and then the
1: white people came back in. Yeah. And now black people are displaced again.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now now you're being moved out of out of your, your city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, man. Like
1: It's it's really crazy. Um And then, one of the most, I think, dangerous um, consequences of redlining. So, we've talked about wealth, Mm. health, education. Education. And I think probably the most dangerous is over policing. Right. And that's one that I didn't. That's one where you could say, is it the chicken or the egg? Mm. But the truth is, these areas that were traditionally redline are so over-policed mm-hmm. um, that you have, that the, the residents of these areas have so much unnecessary contact with the judicial system. Right. Because the fact of the matter is, black people are not using drugs at any higher rate
2: than, than white, white people. people, right? Right, yeah.
1: But... The arrests that occur when they they showed a map
2: Mm.
1: of like marijuana usage versus marijuana arrest. And the arrests that occur are highly concentrated in these traditionally red line areas. This is really a big problem. And and what's even crazier is that bail is higher. In traditionally red line areas. Right.
0: Which where they would have lower income.
1: You already have lower <laughs> income and we raise bail, so you you you're stuck.
0: Yeah. Most of the time you don't have the means to mm-hmm. to make bail. To make bail. Yeah.
1: And so now you're 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 stuck in this judicial system where you're, you know, appointed public defenders mm-hmm. and you don't know the judicial system, don't necessarily know your rights, don't understand. And because of the overpolicing, it already just increases to the already strained relationship right. between the black community and police officers. Right. It also develops or causes this crazy distrust mm-hmm. to occur between the black community and the police officers, right? Because you're over-policed. They're stopping you for everything. You don't trust them. And this is something that blew my mind that I never thought about. When a community loses trust in their police officers, crimes go unsolved. Mm -hmm. When crimes go unsolved, then a crime increases because there's.
0: Yeah. You're like, I'm I'm not gonna get caught. I'm not gonna get caught. Right.
1: Also, it causes people to take matters into their own hands, mm. right? Which just leads to more black-on-black crime. Right. Because, like, I'm not going to call police. I know they're not going to do anything.
0: Mm. Or they're not going to come in time. They're or... not going to come in time, yeah.
1: or they don't care, or they might end up arresting me.
0: Right, yeah.
1: And so, it's like this horrible cycle that just keeps getting worse. Mm. Because then it just increases more. And then you have all these people that want to point fingers and be like, well, why are you worried about white police officers killing you? You guys kill it each other <laughs> more than anyone. Yeah. And you grew up in a situation where, like, I grew up completely trusting the police.
0: Yeah. I grew up completely opposite. Like, we didn't. I mean, you, you called them when it was necessary, but we, I didn't have, I didn't grow up with faith in the police. Like, I didn't grow up like, oh, like, if someone robs me, the police are going to come. I mean, no. now there were, like, certain police officers that you kind of knew you were familiar right. with. And hopefully you got one of those. But it was never like, like, when we talked about the incident we had, when somebody, a drunk person came and knocked on mm-hmm. our door. And, like, I didn't want to deal with it. But then I was like, wait, like let's let's call the police. Like, this is their...
1: Wait, that's an option here. Yeah. <laughs>
0: but like I never would have thought about that like I never I've never been in a situation where my first thought was like okay let's call the police. No,
1: let's talk mm-hmm. about like just in general you growing up and you've you've dealt with this lots of times. There's a drive by or somebody comes by and does something shady or whatever. What is the first thing that happens in your neighborhood? What's the first thing that happened in your neighborhood?
0: You mean like like, people retaliate? or yeah. yeah, like, somebody's gonna, like, okay, I'm gonna... I'm gonna go get... I'm gonna go get such and such, or, like, I know who it was, or I'm gonna drive around the city until I figure out, you, you know,
1: always took it into your own yeah, hands. you took it
0: into your own hands.
1: It, it never, never did it occur, like, well, let's call the police.
0: Right. Because you get the feeling that they don't care. Like, it's, like, it's almost, like, like, this happens so much in the community, and, like... They're just like oh, like it's just this is happening again. They just do like they'll file the paperwork and then you don't you don't see anything or
2: mm-hmm.
0: or they don't even know because it happens so much they don't really know like what suspects to look for or mm-hmm. like how to how to get to the bottom so of it. So you this.
1: don't trust that it's ever gonna be right. addressed. Yeah. So what do you do? You take it into your own hands. Yeah. And More then, black on black crime.
2: Right. Yeah. I never thought about it like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely, well, everybody sees it now. There's definitely a,
0: a big issue with police and the relationship with black people. With black people, yeah. yeah. No, especially that's true. in those Everybody communities. sees it now, but yeah. yeah,
1: even in those communities, Um. I mean, for a long time, Highland Park didn't even have a police department.
0: Yeah, because of financial situation <laughs> in the city and i think it's highland park is a good example because it was one of those cities that were built that was built because of the the thriving auto industry and most of the people that lived there in the in the past were people who worked for those car plants and mm-hmm. who made really good money mm-hmm. and they can have, and for their
1: was it white originally highland park or it was, was it black
0: i think it was mixed mm-hmm. i think like Because Holland Park is kind of close to the city. I think the further out you got, it got more white. But I think it was like a mixture. Like we talked about Hamtramck being like mostly like Polish immigrants. Mm -hmm. And that was considered like a Polish So still immigrants. Yeah. 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 So it was still immigrants, but it was more like, you know, I think that's where you find like more black people who who were able to own their homes and maybe, I don't know, more middle class to lower mm -hmm. income white people. Mm um but then when those plants in the city and like holland park started to close then you saw people started to leave or Mm -hmm. they started being built more in the suburbs Mm -hmm. and then so people would go live in those communities Mm -hmm. that were closer to the the car plants and then you kind of saw like holland park like go down
1: Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. because the the property values plummeted like
0: the holland park that my mom knew it was completely different from the Highland Park that, that I grew, you up grew up in. Up, it, which
1: is completely different than the Highland Park of yeah, today.
0: Yeah. So it's just...
1: I mean, I've seen a huge difference from the first time I went to Detroit with you mm-hmm. to now when to we now, go back. It's yeah. more and more vacant houses. It's it's completely different.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, it's crazy. So I think that's what you know you saw in, in a lot of these, these cities.
2: So increase
1: contact with the criminal justice system mm-hmm. also leads to higher levels of incarceration, which leads to disenfranchisement. Mm-hmm. And that's a big problem because if you lose your right to vote, now you don't even,
0: now you really don't have now a say. You really any. don't have a say. Yeah. And I, I think I always think about like, Like systemic racism, like it's a, it's such a big thing. And like, how can you, like, how can you fix it? And I think it it starts at the local level Mm -hmm. and you have to like, you know, really take care of your community. You have to get people to, to really buy into it. But Mm -hmm. if I'm in an area where there's a, there's a high rate of incarceration Mm -hmm. and these people don't have these rights to vote, Mm -hmm. then one, they can't help me. To vote on anything, and two, they don't have faith in the system mm-hmm. because it wrongly incarcerated yeah, them or yeah, it exactly, took these exactly. away They've from lost them. all faith in the yeah, system. So it's it's all like just like a cycle. It's like. all
1: a cycle. Um, black Americans make up thirteen percent of the population, forty percent of the prison population. That's crazy. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Black Americans are 3.6 times more likely to be arrested for marijuana usage, despite equal usage. So using it just as much as white folks. Yeah. But 3.6 times more likely to be arrested arrested for it. 7.4% of black American men have been disenfranchised. So they've lost their right to vote.
0: Mm.
1: And that's something you can never get back.
0: Right. And it's all from some...
1: And so many of it, ha- so many of them have lost the right to vote because of marijuana. Yeah. Like,
0: that's, that's, on, that's just ridiculous.
1: ridiculous.
0: But I think, like, when we talk about policing, like, because of redlining, police saw this er- these areas as undesirable. Right. And mostly black people or people with lower incomes. And so... I don't want to say preyed on them, but they kind of like, they didn't have respect for them. Like they didn't, they almost thought of them as less than people. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like yeah. kind of animals. And yeah. they had to tame them and, um, and really please them hard and, and try to keep order. Right. But it really,
1: it had the opposite effect. Yeah. It had the
0: opposite yeah. effect. It created chaos. And,
1: it created chaos and distrust. Mm-hmm. And, and created a, a situation where now black people end up turning on each other.
0: Right. And it's, it's like, it's almost like a cage where it's like, you can't escape. Yeah. And. Or,
1: or you don't even feel comfortable escaping. Like, that's the sad part. Yeah. Is that while it's a a cage and you can't escape, you also don't know anything else.
0: Right. And almost you, like, I've had people where, if we, if we're out in the suburbs, like, they don't feel comfortable. They
1: don't feel comfortable.
0: Yeah. Like, you just like, you don't know how to act. You don't know how to behave. You're Mm -hmm. always on. On, on guard, yeah. you're always yeah. Yeah, so it's it's like even if you do make it out, or you're able to make it out. Like you don't you don't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. So it's like I might as well go. You're back. not able to
1: thrive. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like yeah, like you know when people like with animals when they're caged, and then even after you open the door, yeah, they don't leave the cage because it's like this false sense of security. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's almost like I'm gonna. I am on ai do not know. I'd, I'd I'd rather be in this environment where I kind of know what's gonna happen than to kind of be out of my element or in a different area where I, I don't know what
1: you you don't even know what you don't know
0: yeah yeah I don't know how I'm gonna be treated I don't know what are the police gonna say when they see me or yeah. what are my neighbors gonna assume or, assume or uh, think yeah yeah. So,
1: 1968. Redlining was banned with the Fair Housing Act. Unfortunately, the Fair Housing Act is not, it's rarely enforced. Um, And there have been more than half a million housing discrimination complaints processed since 1996. So that's like just since 1996. Fair Housing Act came into effect in 1968 to try and remedy redlining. Redlining, yeah. But it really had no... Effect because there's even cases as recent as 2015 where it's been shown that redlining is still happening, Mm -hmm. even though it's illegal. Um, Even now, oftentimes, black people, even though they qualify for better mortgage rates, are given sub. Um, are giving like, given higher mortgage higher rates, mortgage, yeah. so they're like they're given. I want to say like subpar deals, yeah. But even though they qualify on paper, they qualify for better. But because they're black, but because they're black, they're still given crappier interest rates. Yeah. Um, we talked about the insurance situation. I know, like insurance in Detroit.
0: Yeah, car insurance is crazy.
1: It's crazy.
0: Yeah, especially depending on your.
2: Your zip code
1: or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, even <laughs> I want to talk about this for a minute, which is wild. Even when so they decided to build like, okay, so we're going back now mm-hmm. to the New Deal and um when they introduced these red line areas, they decided to build public housing. But the public housing that was built for White people was completely different than the public housing built for Black people. Hence, the whole like you have to live in the housing that was intended for you, right? right?
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but that holds true today because let's talk about Man. the public housing in Blue Springs. Yeah. Versus uh, even the fact that we call it public housing, like you the were fact
0: that y'all call it public housing.
1: <laughs> you made so much fun of me, you and Doc, because I said public housing and you were like.
0: What you mean the projects? You mean the projects? Yeah,
1: <laughs> I was like, well, we don't have projects in Blue Springs. Yeah. We call it public housing. So when it's in white areas, it's called public, public housing. Thing. Yeah. When it's in black areas, it's called the projects.
0: Well, it was always like I don't know Martin Luther King projects or like home projects or something like that. So they tried to the project was meant to be a like a positive term, kind of. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that took a dive.
0: Yeah. But yeah, it's it's crazy and even like I don't know like the public housing I'll say in Blue Springs is look completely different than yeah, it they did just look like when I was growing up in Detroit. I think now they're they're trying to make it look better, but like
1: mm-hmm.
0: growing up in Detroit it was just like either it was a a huge apartment building and everything was like all asphalt concrete, and concrete, right? Yeah. Or it was just like It was like all these these homes and it was just in this just one area and almost Mm -hmm. like not really a fence around it but they were like these these brick walls that were you know around Mm -hmm. certain areas and it still was a sense like you were kind of like blocked off from the rest of the world Mm -hmm. and uh yeah and then like in blue springs it's completely they different. look
1: like what townhouses yeah, or like duplexes. Townhouses
0: and they got grass and
1: yeah i mean they're like duplexes you have a little yard you yeah. have yeah and, and you wouldn't you wouldn't know they were public housing unless you grew up there and right. like
0: i mean I, I guess in blue springs they're like you you know they're public public housing right and, but like for me coming from detroit and seeing public housing like i would have been like i'm like oh man that's just
1: that's not bad like yeah, I, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's a nice little. A little duplex or whatever. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, and it's completely different. I know I've seen public housing in St. Louis or projects in St. Louis, and yeah, they were this huge concrete, yeah, just depressing structures. Yeah, you know, everything looked the same, and and yeah, off off away from civilization. Yeah,
0: but I think the big difference is like. Like in the suburbs you have a say. Like if you're part of the community as a homeowner, you can be like, yo, I don't want these big ass concrete buildings next to our house or in our community where in the in the city you don't have that option. You don't have have that option. You just want a place to live and you kinda just
1: And guess who take what you're given doesn't mind setting up shop next to big concrete buildings. Factories.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because also, they look at it as, as labor. Like, yeah. okay, like, I'm going to set up right here. This housing is right here. Yeah.
2: These I people need these people. jobs. Yeah. yeah.
0: They can come work for me. You know, I, I know how much you're in is, so I don't yeah. have to pay you so much or yeah. whatever. Yeah. That's crazy. And then the factories affect, like we said, the
1: health the and health. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's really, it's like once you learn the history, and you understand it you kind of can't unsee it right whereas before though like even you said you were like i had no idea." like you just kind of assumed that inner cities were always dangerous yeah and black people Uh lived in the inner city
0: right but it it was never i guess because i'm black i never assumed like black people equaled
1: danger danger Mm -mm.
0: no it was just like okay like just the circumstances around it made it dangerous, like there's a like a sense sometimes' a sense of hopelessness,
1: yeah, yeah
0: that's in these communities, and that um yeah, so I, I just assume that that added but, to yeah
1: and and you like I always wonder because I'm like black people are not more dangerous than white people, right. like how is this yeah happening, and now it makes sense it was orchestrated that way yeah
0: and it's just been practice and practice
1: and that's what's crazy is that it's still like housing discrimination is still happening today mm-hmm. but even if it wasn't like let's say that the fair housing act came in and everyone's like no more discrimination it never happens again nothing was done to remedy what had been done So it's like, okay, well, we're not going to discriminate anymore. Okay, cool. But what are we going to do about these areas that have been in disarray for the last 30 years? You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing being done to remedy. Like, we're not going to build, we're not going to put money into these areas now. We're not going to fix the infrastructure. We're not going to make sure that you have access to healthy food. We're not, like, nothing was done to fix it. Right. So even if you say, okay, we're not discriminating anymore, that's the point. We're not at the same starting line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not at the equal yeah. playing field. We've had all of these years of this situation that you created, white America. Hmm.
0: And now there's no, like, like we talked about before, there's no taxes to help improve these areas. No. Or to make sure we get better education so our kids can go to college and then become successful and then, you know, kind of. Yeah.
1: Because it's, that's what we mean. Like, it's so embedded in how we run our country.
0: Yeah. It's
1: so embedded in our systems and in our institutions that, and it's what we've always done. Mm. You know, people, m- people alive today don't remember a time before that. And guess what? The time before that was Jim Crow. <laughs> yes, and the time before Jim Crow was slavery. Like, yeah. it was like, never had a chance. Right. It's so embedded in all of that and so that it's hard for white people, to be honest, that don't live this way, or even black people that have never been subjected to that, like to recognize, like, oh no, like institutional racism is a real thing. Right. Systemic racism is a real thing and it's hard to see it when you are inadvertently benefiting from it.
0: Right. I think kind of the sense is that people who live in these communities like it's it's their fault that they're there Mm -hmm. because oh you didn't go to college you didn't work hard in school you didn't yes
1: because the whole american dream right Right. like you the whole american way of living is like no if you pick yourself up by the bootstraps you if you work hard you can achieve anything
0: but like you said like we're not we're not starting at the same place like there's Mm -mm. the the playing field is not even so Mm -mm. it's like okay like yeah, like you had, you went to school. You had a good education, mm-hmm. and you were able to, like, your parents had. wealth so they could, you know, get you a loan and go to college, yeah, or like yeah. they could pay for college and stuff like yeah. that. Like, but we don't, we don't have that, right? Like, it's not, it's not the same.
1: And I think that that's something important to hit on because it's it hits on this mindset of scarcity that is an issue with a large part of society right now. Yeah, Whereas, like, there's an idea that black people are trying to take part of the pie, right? So we have this pie. Yeah. And it's like, black people are not, we're not trying to trade places with you. Right. We're not saying we deserve to be there and you deserve to be here. Right. We just want to have the same starting line. Yeah. And there's an idea of, like, Well, what if there was enough pie for everyone? What if I didn't have to have more than my fair share of the pie? Right. What if I had this, my piece of pie
2: and and, you have yours and and you
1: have yours. And guess what? The pie is. Infinite, like it's never going to run out, you know, like just having this abundant, like I don't have to have this hoarding, controlling energy that. I got to keep all this. And if you come in now, if I include you, then you're going to take it from, then me you're right? going to take some of what I have. Mm-hmm. High tide raises all boats.
0: Right. Huh? I like that. never heard that
1: one before. JFK. I didn't come up with it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I figured you didn't come up with it. I thought it was like an old Southern, southern slang or something. Like JFK. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, I think like, when we talk about systemic racism, I, it made me think about like affirmative actions and like affirmative mm-hmm. action, um, and kind of what's going on with the NFL as far as like coaching.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like before, like I thought affirmative action was necessary, but it was almost like okay, but like how do you like? It's almost unfair,
1: right?
0: But it's like okay, like if if we let the system continue to operate like it's been operating, like then black people or women will never get these opportunities. So you have to, you have to force it and say, Hey, let no, like you have to do this. Like you have to, because
1: the the concept behind affirmative action is I'm just trying to get you to the same starting line.
0: Right. But like, like with the NFL, like the people in charge, the owners are white men. Yeah. And so, and
1: it's like a good old boy, yeah, mentality,
0: and probably older white men, yeah. And so, like, they don't, they don't see black people as head coaches,
2: Mm-mm.
0: and then they see them. okay, like you're a good player,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, you can be a special team coach, you can be a yeah, yeah. coordinator for yeah. yeah. But like, when it's time to hire black coaches, they almost would get a guy out of college who's the next best thing then to get a guy who's been a great player Uh who's, who's been a coordinator who's Mm
2: -hmm.
0: coached under some of the best coaches Mm -hmm. in the NFL, Mm -hmm. but they still won't give him a chance. And I think like the NFL is, it's as a organization is trying to do their part to have, I think it's called like the Mooney rule or something Mm -hmm. where you have to, you have to interview a certain amount of black coaches. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's the owner who owned his team and he yeah, can pick he whoever can pick he wants who he to. Wants, he yeah. can, but it's like, you have to have the Mooney rule because if you didn't, then no black coaches would get or, interviewed would or be be considered. So it's like, I don't know, like you, you have, like these things sound like they're, like they're mean or like they're, they're forcing, it's like a forcing energy. But if you don't, uh, if you don't like, Put these things to action, then things will just keep going and going and going,
1: and there will never be any. And there'll change. never be any change yeah. because,
0: like, because it's not affecting white people. Like, no, 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 white because people they're are,
1: inadvertently benefiting. Yeah, like, yeah.
0: You're still getting the scholarship, or you're still getting a job, or you're still getting hired as a as a head coach. Yeah. But it's all the black people who who are missing out. Yeah. And so, yeah, like I just think like it's. the system is just just crazy and it I don't know, it's not gonna happen over overnight, but
1: No, and and what's sad is that this whole critical race theory debacle is really actually causing setbacks. Like we we got to a place where America almost (laughs) recognized that institutional racism existed. Almost. Like we're so close and then freaking people got a hold of critical race theory right what 30 35 years after it was developed yeah.
0: <laughs> it was developed in the 70s, in the 70s or and yeah.
1: perverted it yeah to somehow now we are erasing the history that even explains why institutional right. racism like right. yeah yeah like now we're just completely erasing the history which i just laid out this whole history of redlining that the majority of Americans do not know about. You know about the New Deal. Yeah. You don't know that redlining existed. You don't know like the effects. Like I just laid it all out. Like This is what happened. This, this is actually happened. It's fact. Right. It's fact that it happened. These are the effects of it. This is what we're still experiencing today. But then you have people that are banning critical race theory, which, by the way, has nothing to do with history but the way that they're doing it and so they're saying like well we're not even going to talk about redlining now right because that'll make white people feel bad about themselves right and we don't want that
0: and they think that that somehow is going to make black people hate them
1: more yeah or something i don't know but like black people already know this shit exists like Like,
0: we we know it (laughs) like we've experienced it yeah we know
1: this stuff sucks right and so now we're just going to completely erase that history
0: right because i will say like not to sound like racist or discriminate, but, like, white people get very passionate about causes. And so, like, if they learn the history, and then they can get behind and say, wait, like, no, like, that I'm no. not racist, that's effed up. Like, yeah, it shouldn't yeah, yeah, be yeah. like that. And then really, like, as hard as they're going to keep critical race theory from being taught in their schools, like, they can go just as just hard. That hard to mm-hmm. make sure that...
1: To fight racism?
0: Right, fight racism, or make sure that uh there's equal housing opportunities and things like that. So it's like,
1: because the, the fact of the matter is, and like you, you were like, well, I don't want to sound racist. This isn't racist. The fact of the matter is the white voice is more powerful than the black voice because the white voice is the voice of the majority. Right? Like that's just, yeah, that's what it is. And that's why racism isn't going anywhere until white people get so passionate about abolishing it, like, mm. and I think that the the problem comes is that so many white people that are so passionate about things like critical race theory think that we're asking them to take responsibility for the history. Right. We're not asking you to take responsibility yeah. for the history. We're just asking that you acknowledge right. that it exists. Mm. That's all. We want you to acknowledge that it exists, and then say like okay now what can we do right that's it we're not we're not asking for an apology right we're not asking you to take responsibility for for all of the (laughs) shitty stuff america has done in the past yeah that's not when we're not trying to teach your kids that it's bad to be white right or Or like your
0: parents were horrible people yeah like
1: like this is not at all we're just saying like like we said they do in germany like hey we got it we got some messed up stuff in our history yeah Let's learn from that and let's and see how not, we can do better. Yeah. You know? That's it. And, and no one's trying to say you're racist mm-hmm. because this is the history.
2: Right. Well, let's just let's teach it. Let's
1: let's teach it.
0: And let's learn from
1: it. So what can we do <laughs> to fight systemic racism?
0: I think as black people, it has to start on a community level. Like we have to like, take
1: care of where you live. Yeah. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah. Because there is like where we live, we do have, we do have power and we do have a voice and there is a sense of like outrage or like a sense of enough is enough, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but we have to, we have to put it together in a way that's effective.
1: It needs to be organized. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay, let's protest. Let's make our voice known. Okay, but like how can we really But
1: like actually, what can we Cuz this is my whole thing with race relations in general. I personally <laughs> think that it's it's damaging for black people to over and over and over again have to try and prove their worth to white people. Right. It is damaging for the black community, black people as individuals in general, to constantly try and say, like, hey, I deserve the same.
2: Mm.
1: Because in anybody that has to prove their worth to someone else,
0: it's, it's disempowering. Yeah. It's
1: exhausting. It's disempowering. You are placing power outside of yourself. You've placed yourself out of you. You've joined their story of you. Right? right. And you're trying to prove to them why their story is wrong. That's exhausting. And so I like what you're saying as far as like, okay, what can we do to raise up our own community? Like, if white people are never going to take this over yeah. and they're never going to do it, what can we do to kind of disengage and know our worth and do what we can do with, with as a community the, yeah. within ourselves? You know what I mean? Um, that being said, it's time for white people to step up and take it over. Yeah, that's true. So that black people can do that. Yeah. Like, it's a lot easier for black people to disengage if white people are saying, you know what? We got this. Like, we're going to take over this yeah. fight. But in order to do that, you have to A, acknowledge that it exists. Like, you have to acknowledge, because there's individual racism, which is very clear. Mm. Someone walks up and calls you a derogatory term. Right. Someone hates you just because you're black. Individual racism is something that's very clear, and it's something that I I feel like there's been a shift in the white community against individual racism. Right. I would especially say that with too. George Floyd. Like, yeah. that was, there's been like white people are saying, what can we do? What can we do? Right. Systemic racism is a bit harder because it is so ingrained that it's, like I said, harder to recognize. A lot of white people don't see it and aren't acknowledging it. And mm-hmm. then it's harder to fight because you have to fight it on a systemic level. Yeah. You know, and so, A, if white people can acknowledge that it exists, that's a big, that's a big thing. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, systemic racism exists. Institutional racism exists. It's it's part of our history. Okay, what can we do to, to, I don't, like, pry it away (laughs) from our institutions, you know? It's almost like you're going to have to, like, pry it away because it is so intertwined. So, acknowledging it. And then the second thing is support organizations. Like, there are organizations that are fighting against systemic racism on a systemic level. Mm. And so, if you can find those organizations and support those, I know the ACLU is a big one. They have um, an article I read where they're like laying out everything that they're doing on a systemic level to fight systemic racism. Right. So you can support organizations like this. And the last one, like you, you hit it, like vote. Yeah. And vote at even all, like an educated, informed vote. Yeah. Where you know who you're voting for. Um, and you're electing officials that recognize that this is an issue
2: Mm.
1: and we'll dismantle structurally racist practices. And I mean, we're kind of guilty of like,
2: it's easy to know on a big
1: level who you're electing, but But, like like, on a
2: local local level, level,
1: we've talked about that before. Lots of times, like we don't know judges and stuff. We're just the record or yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I I would like to see, like on the, on the community level, just, these kind of new leaders kind of come from the, this from the next generation and it's kind of like, okay, like enough is enough. Let's, because like we said with like, I mean, we've had this in our private conversations, but like there's, there needs to be an almost like a new approach to black people. There has to be a new approach to racism. Yeah. It's actually what I'm writing my book about. Right. Like, (laughs) okay. Like, you know, like the, the old way is not as beneficial or it's not, not working really working it's anymore. It's somewhat so,
1: damaging for the black community.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think with the, the new generation, having new leaders and, and just having like a new sense of community, um, you can kind of, you can kind of bring a, a new, a new way of thinking, mm-hmm. thinking about things and a, and a new attack on racism and, and just kind of how to, uh, make your voice heard in the community, and then eventually I don't know, statewide, and then
2: yeah, you know kind of go yeah. from there
1: and yeah, I mean I, I really like like on a grassroots level, black people, like what can we do to improve our communities right whether or not white people <laughs> pick up the fight right and I,
0: and I know like that's you can only, there's a cap to it. You can only do so much. You can only
1: do so much, but I'm, and I'm hopeful. And, and like you do, you do have power through voting. You do have power. So it's not saying like take your hands off. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm going to pretend that it doesn't even exist or I'm going to bypass, spiritually bypass or like anything like that. It's not that at all. But it's like at some point you, Continuing to have to prove your worth is like hitting your head against a brick wall.
0: Right. Yeah. Exactly. At some
1: point, you have to be like, "I know I'm worthy, whether or not
0: this person sees it, or sees they it, it or not." It. Yeah.
1: That, the problem is that's difficult to do when you do have systemic racism in place because yeah. it's actually having real life effects right. on your ability to get a job and exactly. to so like that's where there that's where it's so important that white America recognizes that systemic racism exists and takes over the fight. Right. Because they do have the powerful voice right now. Yeah. And that's when changes do get made. Yeah. When, when white people get upset, things change. I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. You know what I mean? And so sadly, like it has to take stuff, sometimes that's so blatantly egregious like george, george floyd, floyd or to... to 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 hit something in people but when white people get upset especially white women <laughs> they yeah. are powerful they can change the world really?
2: really really
1: yeah um and i'm hopeful i'm i i am i'm hopeful that you know people people are like okay i want to learn yeah. I, want to, I want to know more. What can I do? Um, and I'm hopeful we'll keep going in that direction. Although critical race theory is it's a bit of a setback.
2: It's a bit of a setback.
1: And it's a shame because it's just people don't know what it is. Like it's, <laughs> it's being perverted. Right. Um, when the reality is it was just a legal theory to look at the effects <sighs> Yeah. Of institutional. Basically, it's what I just did. Yeah. What I just laid out just here broke like down. I just broke down, hey, this was what happened. It's ingrained in our institutions. This is the effect that it's having. Yeah. That was just critical race theory.
2: Yeah. That was it. not
1: scary. Yeah. That was not blaming. That was not Right. Causing anyone to hate themselves. It's literally just fact.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm talked out. I'm talked out. <laughs> <laughs> no, was good. It was no, good. it was, yeah, it was good. And, and we'd love to hear from you if you have questions, if you don't understand something, yeah. um, don't agree with If anything. you don't agree with anything, like let us know. These are hot topic issues that I know a lot of people right. have opinions on. And we're not experts. Definitely not experts.
0: <laughs> Just- Like when we start, we just, this is conversations that we have amongst ourselves and with our family sometime. So,
1: Thank you for listening to Permission to Be Honest.
0: We hope you like this episode.
1: If you have questions you want answered, topics you want to be discussed, or if you wish to be a guest on our show, then please email us at permissiontobehonest at gmail.com. That is permissiontobehonest at gmail.com. And if you like our show, please tell a friend and leave a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast.
0: Thank you, and we'll see you again very soon.